You're listening to Biceps After Babies Radio, episode 251. Hello, and welcome to Biceps After Babies Radio, a podcast for ladies who know that fitness is about so much more than pounds lost or PRs. It's about feeling confident in your skin and empowered in your life. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, a registered nurse, personal trainer, wife, and mom of four. Each week, my guests and I will excite and motivate you to take action in your own personal fitness as we talk about nutrition, exercise, mindset, personal development, and executing life with conscious intention. If your goal is to look, feel, and be strong and experience transformation from the inside out, you, my friend, are in the right place. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, and today we are talking about becoming a coach and answering this question of whether or not you should become a coach. Before we dive into that, I do want to let you know that uh, finally, (laughs) I am on TikTok, and this has been a new development in the business and in my progression on social media, I resisted TikTok for a very, very long time, but we are now on TikTok and I am making content that is specific to TikTok. There is some overlap between my Instagram and TikTok, but we are making content that is specific to TikTok over on TikTok. So if you want to come follow me, you can go to biceps after babies. That's my handle on TikTok and come, come hang out with me on the, on the Tiki talkies. Uh, okay. That's, that's our announcement. Now we're going to dive into our conversation. And to have this conversation, I decided to invite our Biceps After Babies head coach, Melissa Porter, onto the podcast so we could have this conversation about becoming a coach. And Melissa, let me know before we hit record that she holds the title for being on the podcast the most number of times between the times that she has been interviewed and the times that she, you know, we have sometimes we have podcast episodes where the team members submit little snippets she's been on the podcast a lot. So, um, I'm really excited to have head coach Melissa Porter on the podcast. Hello. Hey, 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 the goal today, Melissa is for us to help the people who are listening, answer the question of, should I become a coach? And my goal is at the end of this episode that you'll feel like you kind of have an answer of like, is this something that I want to pursue or not? My, I'm guessing that most of the people, some of you are just listening because you're like, have listened to literally every episode that I've ever done. And I love you so much, but I would guess that most of the people who are hitting play on this episode, like there is at least a a part of them that has wondered about, thought about, been curious about becoming a coach. And, and I think I want it. That's who I want to really speak to, uh, in this episode. And one of the reasons I invited Melissa on is because yes, I, you know, I can talk about this from my perspective, but it's really only one perspective. And Melissa has now been a coach for us for how long? Um, since three plus years. Yeah. Like the end of 2019. Yeah. No, like was it the end of 2019? Okay. Yeah. Cause you did. I started as a community moderator. That's right. In the summer of 2019, but you didn't actually like hire coaches mm-hmm. until December. Okay. So we're almost, almost three years. Yeah. Two, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Almost three years. Okay. So we're coming up on a three year anniversary and we elevated her to the role of head coach, like a year ago. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So she spent two years as coach and now she is head coach. She still coaches in the business. Um, although she's doing less of that as, as she moves into this new role of really like helping and mentoring the other coaches. That's kind of the role that she has. We have, I always forget this number is like 12 coaches. That's kind of like the number I throw out 10. Yeah. We have 12 now. (laughs) Okay. And so you include me, it's 13. Yeah. Okay. So we have a a good number of coaches. And so Melissa really is responsible for helping to mentor those coaches, helping to like, you know, organize and manage. There's a lot of logistics that goes into having so many coaches serving clients. And so Melissa does a lot of that in the business. So I thought it would be really fun to have her on because she's going to give a different perspective about being a coach than I am, but, um, that's what I want. I want to have a couple of different perspectives on, on making this decision to be able to support you. So, We're going to get into the conversation, but the first thing that I wanted to start with was the idea that if you are listening, I have to assume that at least part of you has thought about becoming a coach, wondered about becoming a coach. And typically when we have ideas or thoughts like that, the first thing that happens after that (laughs) tends to be a little bit of fear, right? It's like, I I want this thing, or at least a part of me thinks I want this thing, or I might want this thing. And then our brain's job is to keep us safe. And so usually our brain goes to a place of fear. Oh, I, I don't know if I could do it though. I don't know if it's possible for me. I don't know if I'm capable of it. I don't know if it's, if it's going to happen. And so we have a lot of fear come up. Did you have any fear about becoming a coach? Um, I don't think the fear hit me until I was like further in the coaching journey. (sighs) So funny. Yeah. Um, because for me, it was such a like natural progression. I'll say like when I was a client, I didn't have the desire to be a coach. Like Mm. the reason why I stood out to you is because I was so invested in my journey. And part of my journey was like, sharing my progress with Mm -hmm. others in our community. Right. And so I just kind of like stood out to you because I am an (laughs) oversharer and I was constantly like sharing stuff. And so it just was this like natural progression into coaching that I don't know if I, like, I obviously had the desire because I like applied to be a coach. Um, but in the beginning, it was more like, I just wanted to help other women feel the empowerment that I was feeling. So that like excitement kind of like propelled me further into my like coaching journey. And then the fear hit probably like six months in. Okay. We're going to talk the imposter syndrome. Oh yeah. Oh, all the things. But it was, it was after I started coaching. Okay. We're going to, we're going to talk about that for sure. Uh, I am going to share with you something. I don't think I've actually shared with you of like the reason that we identified you and pulled you in initially as a community moderator. It wasn't because of your sharing or because of your journey. It was because how we saw you show up for the rest of the community. So we identified you, identified you very quickly as somebody who not only like shared about their journey, but we saw you like engaging with other community members. And, and I was like, I, I like, I see what she's doing. Like she's supporting other members in the program. And I, and I think for you, it, like you said, it was a way for you to, like, you were all in, you were all in yeah. on this journey. You were all in on this transformation. Yeah. And part of that being all in for you was like 
engaging in the community and supporting the community. And so I identified that really quickly. And that is why we reached out to you and were like, Hey, do you want to do the community moderator, which then turned into coaching? That's what we saw. Yeah. Well, and it, um, I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit later, but, um, cheerleading is like, like one of my like main things. Like I love to cheer people on. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the big misconceptions that people have with coaching is that coaching is just like encouraging people to continue doing what they're doing. And sometimes what they're doing isn't actually leading them down the path of where they want to go. And so, yes, cheerleading is like part of it, but it's not the only way you coach. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to your point, cheerleading, if somebody is doing what is good for them and is what is moving to them towards their goal. Like cheerleading is like, Oh yeah, that's a very natural extension. But what you said was like, sometimes they aren't doing the things that are leading. So then what do you do? Like you have no tools. If you just cheerlead and someone's not doing what they need to be doing to get to the goal. Now you have no tools. And so what ends up happening is a lot of coaches go into like shaming or like guilt tripping of like, well, why didn't you stick to your macros? Well, like just, just do it. It's not hard. Do it just do it. It's not just hard. Be consistent. <laughs> yeah. And, and you have no tools to be able to like support that poor client who needs much more support than you just saying, well, why didn't you do it? Right. Do it, do better. <laughs> right. And, um, effective coaches are able to help the client decipher if what they are doing is actually leading them to their so goals. Good. So good. Say more about that. So like, And if you are a client, you know this because you're a client. The way that we coach is we ask a lot of questions and those questions lead to answers that the client doesn't necessarily just like have at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And so in our coaching interaction, they haven't been able to access them. They're like in there, but it's like in the deep parts of your brain that you don't access all the time. It's not like right there on the tip of your tongue. Right. So an effective coach is able to like ask the questions that gets the answers that are not on the tip of the tongue Mm -hmm. that like really shows what's happening like underneath. And that's what is going to help us determine if the actions they are taking are leading them in the direction they want to go or if we need to adjust. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's such a, it's an important distinction because what a lot of coaches do is like they manage the client and it's like their job to tell the client everything and do this and do that and do that, do this. And to, on some level for clients, there is some security in that because someone else is making the decisions and you just have to like follow along. But the dark side of that is that if somebody else is making all the decisions, if someone else understands what's going on, if someone else is like, you know, organizing the steps when you don't have that somebody else. Now you, it's like someone took away your rudder. Someone took away like your paddles and you're in this boat in the middle of the ocean with no paddle to, to get anywhere because the guy with the paddle jumped out of the boat (laughs) when you finish coaching with them. And that coach is coaching you from their perspective and from their journey. And so for them, it's like one size fits all, like it worked for me. So you just need to do what I did and it'll work for you. And that's not the way it works. No. Like if you're not creating a plan that's customized to you, that fits within your lifestyle, this isn't the results that you achieve are most likely not going to be sustainable lifelong results. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing 
I want to address for those of you who have some sort of desire to become a coach. Uh, I, a lot of you and Melissa didn't struggle with this, uh, but a lot of you struggle with, you have a desire, but then it's like, but then all the fear comes up. Who am I to do this? Am I capable? What if I fail? What if I can't do this? What if it's like, I cannot be a coach. What if that's like, just not innately possible for me. And so I want to speak to this just a little bit because, um, I, I believe that our desires in life are, are guide us. Uh, and you know, you can choose to believe whatever you want, whoever you believe in, in your higher power. I believe that our higher power, God, the universe source, your intuition uses desires in order to guide us through life. Meaning I don't have a desire to do everything. In fact, we were just watching a documentary about some people who were like hiking in the Himalayas and like summiting Everest zero. There's no desire, like no desire in me to go climb out Everest zero. There's not even a small part of me that is like, huh, I would like to do that. And I think when we start to attune to our desires, that that starts to guide us through life to the things that are good for us. And I believe that if you have even a small desire to do something that inherently means that it's possible for you. And I think God gives us these desires as, as little breadcrumbs of things that we could do with our life. Now, not every desire you're going to act on, but I think the breadcrumb, I don't think God leads us to things that we are incapable of doing. I think that's just silly to think, oh, I had this desire, but it's impossible for me to reach. I think desire indicates inherently that it is possible. And then we get to choose. We get to choose if we want to follow after that desire and go after it. But I think this idea of maybe I'm not capable of doing this. If you have a desire, I believe that means you are inherently capable. And it is the decision to go after something that that makes you capable of being able to achieve it. Yeah. So desire. So I would say if you have a desire to become a coach, it's possible for you. You can do it. You could become a coach. And so now the next question is, is do I want to do that? Right. Cause, cause it's like the desire means you're capable. You have the capacity to become a coach. And now the question is, do I want to do that? Is that something I would like to do? Is that something I want to do with my one wild and precious life? And, and that's what we're going to, you know, kind of start to answer, but you were going to say something, Melissa. Um, I was just going to say, I would dial it, I would make it a little bit more broad than that. Like I would say, if you have a desire to help somebody, mm, that's good. Yeah. Not necessarily just like a desire to be a coach, because I didn't really have a desire to be a coach. I had a desire to help other women feel the way that I was feeling. Oh, I like that, that was my desire. And that desire turned into coaching, which mm. now turned into like head coach, right? Like mm. it has um, evolved like mm -hmm. naturally. And so I think if you have this like natural desire to help other people, then you absolutely hands down can be a coach. Yeah, Like that we is the one quality that every coach needs is yes. the desire to help other people. Yes, exactly. And, and I think we come back to that a lot in, in coaching Academy. So Melissa helps, uh, mentor coaches in our coaching Academy. You know, we have a team of coaches that coach inside of bites that are babies, but then we also mentor and train and certify other coaches who want to go out and take our coaching model and use it in their own, uh, coaching practice. And so Melissa helps with, with 
um, in mentoring those coaches. And that's something that we repeat a lot in coaching Academy is simply that coaching, when you just boil it down, exactly what Melissa said, when you boil down, what is being a coach? It, it comes from this desire to serve. It comes from the desire to help somebody. And like Melissa and, and honestly, like me, and I, I would say a majority of people who come and want to do fitness coaching do it because they have had some sort of success or transformation themselves. And they are the type of person like Melissa, where it's like you had that transformation and now you just, you want everybody to have it. You want everybody to have that experience. You want everybody to share. It's like going and seeing a really great movie. You want all of your friends to see this really great movie. And that desire to serve is, is the basis of good coaching. So good. Okay. So let's speak a little bit about imposter syndrome because it is a real thing. And I, I, I think everybody has to go through this on some point. I don't know that I've ever talked to any coach who was like, yeah, no, I never struggled with imposter syndrome. Um, and if you don't know that, that, that term imposter syndrome, that's really the thought or idea of like, who am I to be doing this? There's way better people out there. Why would anybody hire me when they could hire X, Y, Z? Um, you know, am I good enough to do this? And I think it's, it is a, it is a stage of your coaching development that you have to go through. So I'm curious about your experiences with imposter syndrome. Cause you said that kind of crept in yeah. you know, six months or so into your journey. Um, I also think that imposter syndrome is just like self-sabotage. You, it yes. never goes away. Yes. Um, imposter syndrome creeps in every time you're pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone, like mm -hmm. every time, just like self-sabotage imposter syndrome to me is like a form of self-sabotage because yeah. you're like sabotaging your ability to continue moving forward because you feel like you're not qualified or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Um, so for me, it did creep in a little bit later, like into coaching, um, and mainly in the way of like, I constantly found myself wanting to just be like a clone of Amber. Oh yeah. This is good. Like I had to do it exactly the way that Amber would do it or it wouldn't be effective. Right. Like I didn't have the, um, the faith in my ability to be different from the way that Amber did it and have it be effective. Um, and in having that mindset, uh, there was a period of time I felt like clients had a hard time relating to me because I was being fake. I was not being mm. like my true authentic self. Yep. Um, and so for me, like overcoming that, I had to just constantly remind myself that Amber believed in me. Right. So I was like borrowing her belief that I had the ability to do this and that I had something to offer. Like as myself, like outside of Amber, like I didn't have to coach the way that Amber coached, as long as I utilized the tools that she gave me to like be an effective coach, like I could still be authentic in that mm -hmm. way. So once I was able to like, break free of feeling like I had to be Amber's clone, um, and step into like, really how like Melissa coaches, clients were able to relate to me. And that is where good, effective coaching is because they know that I'm being honest with myself. I'm like not feeding them full of crap, right? Like, so I think that my coaching definitely up leveled when I was able to 
like push past that imposter syndrome. And once I had like proof that clients were relating to me better than it was before that, then like that specific imposter syndrome was like gone. Mm, yeah. I still yeah, struggle shows, with like other shows up areas. In other ways. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like it still yeah. creeps in in other areas, but I like am a damn good coach and I coach much different than Amber coaches. And it doesn't mean that it's a wrong way to coach. Right. Yeah. It's like, I teach you these principles, right? So I, I trained you and I taught you principles and I taught you techniques and I taught you ideas, but it's like the color of your coaching is different. It's like the same type of coaching, I guess you could call it, but it's like, we're different colors. And I think that that's really important. And when Melissa really gave herself permission to be a different color than me, it, it really did deepen her ability to coach. And something I've been studying recently is this idea that if we are showing up and I see this a lot with coaches. So I think this is going to hit home for anybody who is already coaching and, and, and there's applications in other areas of life as well. But if we are showing up in a way that is an energy of seeking validation from the person we are interacting with. And I see this a lot with coaches. It's like, you want your client's validation. You want that. You want them to think you are a good coach. You want them to validate you. If you show up in that energy of your goal is to get that validation from somebody else, you will morph and change yourself into whatever you think that they want in order to have that validation. And so what happens, like Melissa was saying, is you inherently become inauthentic. Because you're more worried about what they're going to think about your coaching. So you're trying to change your coaching and morph it and like change who you are to be able to fit what you think they want rather than showing up as your authentic self. And when you can show up as your authentic self and the person can connect to you as who you are instead of who you're trying to pretend to, to be, then you can create connection and you can create a relationship between you and the client. But the, the thing that has to let go in order for that to be accomplished is needing somebody else's validation. And when you can start to validate yourself of I'm a damn good coach, well, now you don't need that validation and you can show up as a coach and you end up being a better coach because you can show up as your authentic version of you and, and people connect to that. Right. And I also think that, um, coming to the realization that you're not going to be for everybody. Sure. And that's yes. fine. Yes. Like the way that I coach somebody could land great but then the next person, it doesn't land as well. Like, like I am an emotional person and some people don't handle that well. Right. But for some other people, like that's super relatable for them. And yeah. so I think like the other part of the imposter syndrome is um, outside of the validation is just knowing that you're not going to be for everybody yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. Yes. And I think the, the earlier you can step into that, what I see a lot of times with new coaches, especially is they want to be everything for everybody. And that's right. the fastest way to like one, wear yourself out as a coach, not be who you truly authentically are and, and not be able to serve people. Cause if you're trying to be everything for everybody, you aren't able to help people on a deeper level. It's like, if you section off and say, no, this is, this is the type of person I serve. This is the type of person I can help. This is the type of person I relate to. You can go deep with those people instead of trying to go wide being everything to everybody. Yeah. This, yeah. um, conversation leads great into one of the questions that you had like prompted me with that we would maybe oh, talk about, which is it. like, um, what's a personality trait oh, that yeah. would like be Lead really well. good for coaches yeah. to have. Um, and the very first thing that came to my mind is integrity. 
and integrity in like you as a person, Mm. because people know when you're being fake, like Mm -hmm. it doesn't take long for somebody to be able to sniff out like a wolf in sheepskin. Right. And people's BS meters are very attuned (laughs) to fake. (laughs) So when you're constantly trying to like morph yourself into what you think all of these other people want or need from you, um, you're actually, because you think that's going to like get you more clients, right? Like if I'm what this person needs, then they're going to come coach with me. And if I'm what this person needs then they're going to come coach with me. And so you think you're going to get more clients that way, but in reality, they're not going to stay with you long-term because no one wants to be around someone who doesn't have integrity. Mm -hmm. They just don't. Yeah. Like, you don't want to surround yourself with someone who's constantly like morphing from one thing to the next and not like solid in who they are as a person. Amen. Yeah. That's a really, that's a really excellent point uh, about personality traits. So I'm, I'm curious, I have some thoughts on this, but I'm curious if you have the antithesis of that, like what are some personality traits that would like be like, whoa, maybe becoming a coach is not for you. <laughs> maybe you shouldn't coach. <laughs> Um, I think if you are solely out to get validation from other people, you should not be a coach. Yeah, that's good. Because seeking validation, and this might be a little harsh, so I'm sorry if it's harsh. Um, I think seeking validation is a very selfish thing. Mm-hmm. So if you're constantly needing someone to make you feel good about yourself, that's not your client's responsibility. Sure. And um, like, if you're just wanting to like make a name for yourself and have like as many people as possible, know you on Instagram and have the most followers, your number one goal is not helping somebody else. You're not like the service oriented mindset. And that doesn't yield very well to like an effective coach. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that personality trait of desire to help is one of the, and we kind of talked about this, but I think it hits home here at this, when we talk about personality traits, it's like the desire to help is like one of the number one things that you need as a coach. If you don't have the desire to help, if that's not what's driving you, I don't think you should become a coach. And I, I love money. I think money is amazing. I want more money. I think money is awesome. I think we all should have as much money as we want. But if your only goal in becoming a coach is to get money, don't become You'll a coach. You'll have less of it. You'll have less of it, right? I think it has to like, and I, again, I don't, I'm not saying money is bad or evil or we shouldn't want money. But if that's the only reason you're becoming a coach is you're like, oh, this is lucrative. I'm just going to like make so much money you're missing the bigger point. It has to be driven from that desire to serve. And yes, when you really have that desire and you do help people, you are going to receive money. That's how the world works. You give value, someone gives you money. But if you're not leading with that value, if you're not leading with that heart of service, it's it's never going to work. And then the other trait that I would say you need, and then the converse would be like what I would say, stay away from coaching, is if you if you can't admit you're wrong, don't be a coach because I think you have to have a level of humility and an ability to self-reflect and get it wrong. 
and and then admit that you got it wrong and then change it. <laughs> and if some people have a really hard time and I admittedly, if, if we're talking about some of my faults or things that I'm working on or things that I'm developing, it is the ability to admit when I'm wrong and change course that is, is hard for me. And I, I recognize it in myself and I see it happen a lot. And so I'm working on it, right? This is something I'm working on in myself, but I think if you can't admit that you're wrong and you just dig your heels in it, it becomes a really damaging conversation that you're having with clients of never being able to receive feedback, never being able to make pivots, never being able to make adjustments to be, to become better. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Um, obviously like I, I thought about like, um, the desire to help. Right. But I knew that we would like touch on that before. It's so, so it's important. like, yeah. <laughs> um, but being coachable is like the other mm. and that lent, that goes hand in yeah, hand with what totally. you're just saying about like yeah. being able to admit when you're wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, every good coach has a coach. Yeah. Amber still coaches me. Yep. Um, Amber has coaches mm -hmm. like I get coaching. Um, every good coach has a coach. And if you come into this feeling like, you know, it all, you're not going to last long. The world will quickly remind you that you don't know it all. You don't. <laughs> you don't. In fact. <laughs> and if you aren't willing to admit that you don't know it, mm -hmm. you won't last long as a coach. Um, there have been so many times in coaching interactions where I am asked a question that I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I do not have the personality that I'm going to try to fake my way through that. I very much am okay with saying, I don't know that, but I will research it, get the answer. And I will come back to you mm. because for me, that is staying within integrity mm. of coaching, right? Like I'm not here to like blow smoke up someone's butt and like make them think that I know everything. Mm -hmm. I think that when you are able to admit that you are either wrong or you don't know something, a lot of times comes with fear, right? That like, oh my gosh, like they're not going to want to coach with me anymore because I don't know this. But on the flip side, and I have seen this time and time again, they actually respect you more for being honest about where you're at and not knowing something or admitting that you did something wrong. They actually have more respect for you in the end. And it builds so much more rapport with the client. Yeah. Well, and it's because, you know, I've been doing a lot of research. I've been working on this emotional eating course that we're doing. So I've been a lot doing a lot of research with um, emotions and, you know, shame and vulnerability and a lot of, you know, Brene Brown's work. And, you know, she makes this point that if, if we're not vulnerable, we cannot connect, right? Vulnerability is scary. It's brave because it exposes a part of ourselves that maybe we would like to hide. We would like to hide that. I don't know this thing that feels like very scary to share out into the world, but by being vulnerable, that is the only way that we're able to connect, create connection. And so exactly what you said is like, if you want to build rapport with the client, sometimes we think rapport is built. If I just pretend that I know everything, but rapport is actually built with vulnerability. And, and so it's, it's, what, what seems like the courageous thing to do to say, I don't know, but I'm going to get back to you. I'm going to research. I mean, that seems scary for a lot of people to do it. I think that comes more naturally to you than some other people, yeah. uh, that in and of itself builds rapport with your clients and, and respect because they know when you're telling them something, you're, 
it's accurate. You actually know it. And when you don't know it, you're going to say that you don't know it and you're going to go get an answer for them. And, and people respect that. Right. Yeah. So, um, one of the things that I do want to address, because I think this is a really important distinction that I, I want to make. And it's honestly, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on because we, we both are coaches, but I'm also a business owner and you're not right. You're a coach and that's the role that you fulfill. And I'm a coach and a business owner. And I want to make this distinction because I think a lot of times when people are making the decision about whether I want to become a coach, they are linking becoming a coach and owning a business together. And, and plenty of people are like, coaching sounds fantastic. I would love to help people. I'd love to support people. I'd love to work with people, but no way in heck do I want to start a business. Like I don't, I don't desire to own a business. And so I think it's really important for people who are making this decision to make sure you separate out those two things. You can be a coach without being a business owner. You can be a business owner without being a coach and you can choose to be a coach and a business owner. And it's not, if you're someone you're like, I want to coach, but I don't want to own a business. There are opportunities and ways for you to be a coach and not have to run or own a business. And that's what Melissa does, right? Melissa coaches, has coached in our business for three years. She's never owned her own business. She's told me many times she doesn't want a business, has no desire to own a business, um, but she's a fantastic coach. And I just, I, I see a lot of women who are like Melissa, who would be fantastic coaches, hold themselves back because they don't want to own a business. Do you have anything to like add to that? Yeah. Um, no, I think that we get so tunnel visioned into the way that we see other people be successful with their coaching. And mm, we think that's that good. that's the only way that it can happen. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's not like we live in a world where anything is possible. Yeah. And, you know, I feel, I feel a little weird talking about this because it happens so naturally and easy for me, like in this position yeah. that I'm in. Um, so if I feel a little guilty, like bringing this up just because I didn't have to like go out and like find a company that I could coach with that I like meshed with their like methodology and the way that they coach, like it just naturally happened for me. Um, but I do know that there are possibilities out there. I can think of two other coaches right now who have businesses um, and they are always hiring. Like mm -hmm. they're constantly adding coaches to their roster. So it's not impossible to just be a coach and not have to deal with like the business side of it. We, and we actually had um, a couple of clients who came through and did our coaching academy, transformational coaching certification. And she hired some of the coaches that were in her cohort to work inside of her business because they didn't want a business, but they wanted to coach. And so she had a business and she hired them in her business. And so, uh, again, I think, and I, I love that you're being genuine of saying, Hey, like it was easy for me. Like I didn't have to go out and like, look for a job. It kind of fell into my lap and also recognize that there are lots of opportunities out there. I echo exactly what Melissa said, like opportunities are always available, especially for people who are willing to go out and seek them and put themselves out there. Uh, 
but when you are making that decision about whether you want to be a coach, I would invite you to separate out coach from entrepreneur and make that decision separately, right? It's like, do I want to be a coach? Yes or no. Let's make that decision. And then do I want to be an entrepreneur? Yes or no. And if the answer to is to, I want to be a coach is yes. And the answer is, do I want to be an entrepreneur? No, you still can become a coach. And there are opportunities for you to be able to, to coach in other people's businesses to a lot of actually people who go through coaching academy and learn our transformational coaching style, they use it in their relationships. Like they use it in, in parenting. They use it when they're talking to their siblings or their parents or their in-laws. And when you understand the principles that we're teaching of you of how to um, elicit and shift beliefs and understand people's model of the world and be able to help them to see a different perspective, the opportunities for you be, to be able to quote unquote coach or use that knowledge in other settings is endless. Like even if you don't technically coach another person. So many of our clients have said this, learning this has made me a better parent. Learning this has been being a better partner because communication and being able to understand where people are coming from and shift beliefs and understand their model of the world, use it in every situation, literally every time you're in, ever talking to anybody. Yeah, it's true. So if somebody is sitting to themselves thinking like, okay, maybe I could do this. You know, maybe I do want to become a coach. Um, where should someone start? I'm curious what your, what your thoughts are not from like a, and I'm not asking this question from like a marketing perspective of like, Oh, you should just come join coaching Academy. Like, that's not why I'm asking the question. I think joining coaching Academy and we can talk about coaching Academy and how that can be a part of your journey. But like, if someone is just now kind of coming to terms with this idea of like, okay, maybe I do really want to do this. Is there a good first place for them to, to get going with that? Um, I would say to put yourself out there that like you have this desire to help other people along their like fitness journey. Um, and like putting yourself out there will allow other people to like, see if they have the desire to help you become that. Mm. Right. Mm. Like, um, so maybe you don't want to be an entrepreneur and that's fine, but that doesn't mean that you can't go out and get your first client. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just like help somebody. That's what we always say is like, just go help somebody <laughs> and to, for yeah. free for paid for whatever. Like if you're leading with, I just want to help somebody. I think that's a fantastic place to get started. Yeah. Um, one of the things that came up for me that I, I, for, I forgot to like even put this in our outline, but is something I hear all of the time is this idea. And I, I think it's, it's self-sabotage again, is this idea that like, I'll be a coach when, and oftentimes it's like a, I'll be a coach when I've lost the weight. I'll be a coach when I'm a size four, I'll be a coach when, you know, I have a six pack and there's this link between thinking you have to have certain results in order to validate your ability to be able to coach somebody else. And I know a lot of women who hold themselves back because they're like, well, I haven't had this giant transformation. I haven't, I, I still am overweight, right? Like that's one I hear a lot. Like I'm still overweight. Like who would ever hire me to coach? So if that's something that you've worried about of this idea of like, my body doesn't look a certain way or I have to be a certain size, I invite you to go listen to episode 192. It was with Lindsay and the the title of the episode is confidence as a 200 pound coach. And Lindsay gives some fantastic 
advice or, you know, ways to work through this idea that you're, you know, you're only worthy as a coach or you're only good enough as a coach or people are only going to hire you as a coach. If you have a six pack, if you're lean, if you like have this certain aesthetic and what she has found has been the exact opposite is that in fact, a lot of people choose her as a coach because she doesn't look so intimidating. She doesn't look like she's so far away from where they are. They People know that she can relate to them and that actually builds more rapport with her clients. And so this idea, I just really want to like knock down this idea that you have to be a certain size to be a coach or that you have to have a certain aesthetic or a certain amount of muscle. I always tell clients, uh, you know, coaching academy clients is, is if you are further along in some, in, in your journey than somebody else and further along is relative. Further along doesn't mean that you're at the end destination, that you've reached all of your goals. Further along simply means you are further along. If you are thinking about health and nutrition, you are further along than somebody who hasn't even thought about that. And there are a lot of people out in the world who haven't ever even thought of that, right? So consider that if you're listening to this podcast, you're already further along than many of your friends and family because they don't listen to health and fitness podcasts. And so this idea that we have to be at a certain destination or a certain mile marker in order to uh, you know, validate us as being able to coach is just so silly. The goal is, is like, am I further along than somebody? Is there somebody that I could support and help? Is there something that I've done in my life, whether that's like starting working out, uh, you know, just starting to count macros, like you're further, if you count macros, you are further along than someone who has never counted macros. You have something to offer to that person. So getting out of this mindset of like, I have to reach a certain destination before I can become a coach. It's bull crap. It's it is a way for you to keep yourself safe and not have to take action on your dreams and your desires. And to add to like the physical and aesthetic side of it, you don't have to have like a handful of certifications yeah, to yes. be a coach either. Like, yes, you don't. I, you know, Amber hand trained me like before coaching Academy was even created, like, <laughs> She created content to like train the very first coaches and that like turned into coaching Academy, but, but like, that's all the training I have. Mm -hmm. And to speak to coaching without like reaching your goals yet, the goal that I like the original goal I set when I started macros 101 in March of 2019, I have still yet to hit that. Mm -hmm. Am I working towards it still? Absolutely. Am I much, much closer to it than I was in 2019? Absolutely. Have I reached it yet? No. But does that mean that like, I can't be an effective coach? Mm -hmm. Right. Provide like, value to somebody. Like, right. Like that's, that's like saying that you can't coach somebody who, you know, like if you've never had a baby, you can't coach somebody who's you know, had a baby in his postpartum now because you've never experienced it. Mm -hmm. Like you can't provide value to them because you've never experienced having babies. As my my husband, my male OBGYN husband can't help women have babies because he's never had one. <laughs> right. Like it's just, it's crazy. Like you can absolutely provide value without having like experience with every single thing. Yeah. So this is an excellent thing to bring up because I see this is also a way that women self-sabotage. Uh, love you so much. I, I think education is valuable. I, I love education. I think we should be educating ourselves. I think the desire to learn more is a valuable 
thing as a coach to have like that desire, that insatiable need for knowledge and looking for knowledge and always growing in your knowledge. Love it. Great. The damaging, the sinister part of that desire comes when you use that, that need for more knowledge to hold you back from using the knowledge you already have. And so what I see is a lot of women who certification hop and they say, okay, I'm going to take this certification. And then when I'll be done, I will feel ready to coach. And then they finish that certification and they're like, oh, but I'm still scared. (laughs) So I I must need another certification to make me feel like I'm enough. Like I'm ready to coach. So then they will take another certification and they feel like, oh, this is it. Like when I finish this, I'm going to feel confident. I'm going to feel ready. And they get to the end of the certification and they don't feel confident and ready. And so they do another certification and like, now they've gathered like five certifications. They've never actually served or helped anybody. And this is, it's like, you cannot get enough of what you don't actually need. You don't actually need more certifications. At some point you have to decide that you're going to be uncomfortable. Like Melissa talked about and go get your first client and go start helping people and using the knowledge that you already have to help people. And then yes, if you're already using the knowledge you have to help people, great. Let's go get some more knowledge. Let's go get like, I'm all for like, expanding your knowledge base. That's great. But it's the, why are you expanding your knowledge base? Are you expanding your knowledge base? Because you think it's going to make you enough. It's going to make you confident as a coach. It's going to make you feel finally worthy of being able to be a coach. Or are you going there because you're already utilizing the knowledge you've already base you've already built and you, you just desire more knowledge. You think it's fun. You want to expand. You want to learn more. It's very different decisions about why you're going and taking different certifications. Yeah. I think a lot of people they, you know, they think that it's going to squash the imposter syndrome. And the imposter syndrome. Yes. It does not. And it doesn't, it doesn't at all. The only way to squash imposter syndrome is to actually do the damn thing that makes you scared. Exactly. Yep. That's it. It's like overwhelm. The only way to get through overwhelm is to take a step forward and do something. Mm -hmm. But if you continue to sit there and like be scared, and collect this certification and collect that certification because that's going to, then I'm definitely not going to feel like an imposter because I have all of these things. Mm-hmm. But then you realize that you have to put all of those things into action. And the action is what is going to squash the imposter syndrome. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So good. And and so now that we've like talked down certifications, <laughs> if you're <laughs> wanting to come... <laughs> You can come take our certification. But again, I I will I will straight up say you don't need it. Like you don't need my certification. You may want it. I I hope you desire it. I hope you come and I hope you come and learn from me and I have so much to like offer people who want to learn from me on the air, in the area of, of coaching, but you are enough and worthy and awesome where you are right now. And you probably have more knowledge than you are, than you think. And yeah, I'm going to force you to think differently. I'm going to, I'm going to train you in how to specifically be a transformational coach. Like Melissa kind of mentioned this at the beginning of of the podcast of this idea of like most coaches kind of fall into certain buckets of the way that they try to get clients results. One of those is cheerleading. They just try to say, Oh, you're doing such a good job. Just keep going. That's great. You know, it's just cheerlead. Accountability a glorified accountability partner. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Other ways that coaches try to coach is they through doing accountability. They're like, if I just like, this was me. I was like, if I just give clients my phone number and they can like text me whenever they're having problems and I can, we can create a plan for the weekend. And then we can check, I can check in with them a bunch over the weekend. I can help like them stick to that plan. It's like, if I provide them accountability, then of course they're going to get results. Um, and again, 
I want you to see that none of these are inherently fundamentally flawed, but if they are the only thing that you are providing, you are not actually supporting your client in the, in the way that's going to get them results. So we have the cheerleader, we have the accountability coach, we have the advice giver who is like, this worked for me. This has worked for a bunch of my clients. So you should do this. You know, clients ask a question. They're like, this is what you should do. This is how you should handle it. And like Melissa said, she kind of spoke to this earlier of this idea that that there is just one way to get results is silly. First of all, that the person who is giving you advice knows your in your, your situation knows the intricacies of your situation. It's like when you talk to a friend and you start telling them about your problems and all they do is like sit there and give you advice. And you're thinking in your head, you like, you don't even understand the situation. <laughs> like you don't understand everything. I haven't told you all of the different aspects that are involved in this. And you're trying to give me advice. And it's like, it doesn't, that doesn't work because you don't understand X, Y, and Z about the situation. But that's where a lot of coaches are is they think if I just give advice, if I just tell people what to do, then it's going to, to work. And then the last, you know, archetype that we see a lot with, with, um, coaches is they try to coach through teaching. They try to say, Hey, if I just teach more, if I just tell them, I help them understand a reverse diet, then they're going to get over their fear of reverse dieting. If I just teach them how to count macros, then of course they're just going to count them. There's, it's just going to do great. If I teach them how to eat more protein, then they're always going to do it, you know, which is just looking at that. You can tell it's silly because we all know things that we don't actually execute or put into practice. So, you know, this was something I learned throughout my years of coaching, of seeing these different elements and aspects in myself and saying they're good. Accountability is good. Teaching is good. Cheerleading is good. Even sometimes giving advice is, can be good, but if that's the only tool that you have in your tool belt, you actually can't create long-term transformation in someone. And so we, I, I developed a methodology and a way of coaching that actually speaks to creating transformation in other people. And transformation comes from a deep core level. It comes from understanding someone's beliefs, understanding their fears, understanding what is actually keeping them stuck, and then being able to help them shift themselves out of it. Not telling them what to do, but walking alongside of them as you help co-create this path forward for them. And that's what a transformational coach does. And so that's what I teach coaches how to do, or people who want to become coaches, I will say not everybody, a lot of people who come into coaching. You have, have never coached before. This is like the first thing that they do the first foray into coaching. And then we have people who, you know, have clients and have businesses and they want to be able to do better. They want to be able to coach deeper. And that's what we do inside of coaching academies, teach you how to become that transformational coach so that you can get clients long-term results. I believe that the people who are listening to this podcast are not the people who are out to make a quick buck. If you're out to make a quick buck, you don't really care what happens to your clients afterwards. You made that quick buck and that's it. That's, that was your goal. I believe that the people I tracked into my sphere are not those type of people. You're not the quick buck kind of person. You're the person who, yeah, you want to make money. I, again, I love money. We should, I think we should all love money. But you are not wanting money at the expense of somebody not getting the transformation long-term. You don't, you don't want someone just to lose 10 pounds. You want them to lose 10 pounds and get it off. You want to change their life. You want to change somebody's life. That's the type of people who I attract into my, into my sphere. And if you want to change someone's life, you can't just cheerlead or teach or you know advice give or give accountability. You have to be able to understand how to get to that transformational level. And so that's what I, that's what we do. That's what I teach you inside of coaching Academy. Um, and we will be opening doors to coaching Academy later this year. Uh, so, if, you know, before the end of the year. So if that's something that you, if this spoke to you and you're like, dang, that's something I would, it's on my bucket list. I want to do this. I want to get better. I want to learn how to coach. I want to learn how to elicit beliefs and 
and shift them, then I invite you to get on the interest list at bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash cert C E R T. And you can get on that interest list and we'll let you know when doors open up to coaching Academy and you can come uh, join us in having your own transformation as a coach and uh, be able to transform and help and coach and, and, um, support others along the, on the path. What do you have anything to say about coaching Academy? Cause you've been there from like the get go, right? Like Melissa said, yeah. coaching Academy started as me teaching three coaches, my methodology. And then I trained more coaches to work in our business. Right. So it just started out like me training coaches to work in my business. And then we did another round of like training coaches to work in my business. And then we, it, I developed a model that like, I saw, Oh, Hey, I can replicate this. I can teach people what I'm doing. It's not that I can just coach, but I can actually teach people how I'm coaching and why I'm doing it. And I can, I can teach that to people. And so then that's where coaching Academy was birthed from. And, um, you know, Melissa has been there since the very front because she experienced the first, you know, round of coaching Academy, which was just me teaching them how to coach. So I don't know any, anything you want to add about coaching Academy, Melissa. Um, it is awesome. And like even me helping and mentoring and I get something new out of it every round that we do, um, which just speaks to the content that is there that you get for life, right? Like when you join coaching Academy, you get all of this content for life. Um, so the fact that I've been through it, Gosh, probably five, five times, times now. Yeah, I would say five times. Um, and, and I'm still pulling stuff from it, like really speaks to the content that is there. And she like mentioned before, you use it in every area of your life. Like I just used it on my mom this morning. <laughs> um so yes, it's something that you like, even if you don't want to have a business, right? Like that's not what coaching Academy is. Coaching mm -hmm. Academy is not teaching you how to create a business, just like biceps after babies. Mm -hmm. um, coaching Academy is teaching you how to be a transformational coach and getting to know people and understand people on like a deep core level and not just like the surface. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. So if that's speaking to you, if this episode has, has spoke to you, um, I invite you to go to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash cert C E R T and just get your name on the interest list. We are not doing a very like public opening of this. So if you don't put your name on that list, you won't know when we're opening it. <laughs> um, it, that's the one way that we're going to be reaching out and, and sharing coaching Academy with the coaches who are ready to come in and join us. And they're ready to uplevel their either start or uplevel their ability to be able to coach. It's, um, it's a really fun program. I really, I really enjoy teaching other coaches and helping them to uplevel their ability to coach, because I know that when I do that, that they're going to go out and be able to serve, you know, more clients. And it's like the more that we can transform ourselves, the more we can transform other people. And that ripple effect goes throughout the world. And that's really, that's really exciting to me. So. And even if you don't have a desire to be a coach right now, we've had multiple women come through coaching Academy who just want to understand our methodology methodology of coaching to help them help themselves yeah. more yeah, yeah. effectively. Mm -hmm. um, because we as coaches have to like 
go through this as well. Like we have to go on this journey with our clients. And like Amber was saying, we provide value to somebody who is not as far along as we are. Mm-hmm. And so having the knowledge can help you with parenting. It can help you with like, you know, your other relationships. It really just like, if you can learn this information just for yourself, it is a ripple effect and it just will bleed out into every other area. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Uh, so coaching Academy will be opening up. We're excited for those of you who are curious and interested about joining us. Uh, it's, it's always, it's always a good time. So thanks, Melissa. This was a fun conversation. It was. I like kind of the co-hosting part of things yeah, and not yeah. always just the interviewing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a nice change of pace for me as well. It, it's a little bit more uh, co-collaborative than uh, me just asking questions. So that's always a fun thing for me as well. So thanks for coming on. That wraps up this episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm Amber. Now go out and be strong because remember, my friend, you can do anything. Hey friend, have you heard the news? We have a Biceps After Babies Radio insider list. If you love Biceps After Babies Radio, you don't want to miss a thing. Head to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash insider to join the group. You'll be the first to know all things about the podcast, see some behind the scenes and get special messages from yours truly. We want to make this a special community for those who are fans of the podcast. And last, did this episode particularly resonate with you? If so, will you please share it? Either send the link to someone who would find it valuable or take a screenshot and post it to your social media and tell your family and friends why they should listen. Make sure you tag me at Biceps After Babies so I can hear your feedback and give you a little love. And you know, if you aren't already following me on Instagram or Facebook, that's the perfect time to hit that follow button. Thank you for being here and listening to Biceps After Babies Radio.